You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. And we're live. This is The Human Condition. I'm Vince Orlando. I'm Sean Davis. And you can call me Sniffles again. I'm, uh, my head's starting to clear up. Just moved out of the house, out of the black mold infested house. I'm in, into the new space, going on my fourth day now. I can kind of breathe again. Head's getting a little clearer. It's a beautiful thing. Um, how you been? Doing good. Yeah? Everything's good. On that spiritual game? Sometimes. Sometimes? <laughs> you know. Yeah. Anger been creeping up a little bit here and there, but uh, it's all mostly job-related. So, you That's, know, when that happens, uh, you just got to make adjustments. Right. And that's all there is to it. Well, that's actually a good segue into the uh, episode. We're we're waiting on uh, we're not waiting on Steve, but we're we're expecting him. So um, he may mosey in a little bit late. Traffic's traffic's a killer out there. But uh, the segue on anger into today's episode on happiness. Yeah, and whether our constant drive to be happy actually perpetuates suffering. And I, I I know from experience, from my experience, and I can only speak from that, that a constant drive to be happy, which I, I can't fault anybody because I like to be happy. It feels good to be happy, right? But but it's not possible. You just can't be happy all the time. It's it, And if you were happy all the time, how would you know you were happy all the time? Because there would you wouldn't know what suffering was. So in my opinion, yes that constant 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 need to be happy which leads to our our search for instant gratification perpetuates suffering in my opinion and from my experience what do you think i am happy 24/7 when i got money in the bank account and i don't have to go to work there's got to be some other things that mess I'm with I'm telling you, I'm telling you, working, I feel like it's a system. I feel that it fucks people up. Um, You know, my my aunt passed in like 2007 and, and left me a little chump change. And I remember, I mean, I started my own day trading business. But for the most part, like, I did that and I'd get up. 9.30, 10 o'clock, watch the stock market. I'd hit the noontime meeting. I'd go lift. I'd hit, like, the evening meeting and, like, sponsor a shit ton of dudes. I didn't have to answer to anyone. Um, Did you have a girlfriend? Wife? Nope. Well, that, that'll make you happy, too, sometimes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you don't, you don't have those fights. You know, but, but did you get lonely sometimes? Oh, no, man. Like, I don't know. Someone... Someone wanted to ask me that one time and like the presence of God, my God, is always there. I can always feel connected. It's always there. It's like I can't really put it into words. Um, but I'll I'll tell you it's like um if someone's ever relapsed, there's like a feeling you get, and it's like 
I don't know what it is, but it's like it's like a machete just goes cuts through like the biggest power cord, and you're no longer like connected to the power. Like that's like you don't feel connected. I don't feel connected. Like especially like like alcohol. Like it, it won't be the first drink, and it won't be like the third or the fourth. It'll be like when I get drunk, when I wake up the next day. That feeling ain't there, like the connected feeling. But I walk like it, I don't know how you develop it once you relapse, but because I have had to redevelop it a couple times. But there's just like a overriding power sense love feeling that never really goes away. But is that happiness though? Because <clears throat> for me, it's not. You asked if I got lonely. You said, like, do you ever get lonely? And I really don't. And, you know, another thing my sponsor said, like, we were hunting uh, a couple weeks ago, and he said, when you're perfectly fine in your own skin, you rarely, and you enjoy your own company, you don't really get lonely. See, I... I Lonely, loneliness is an emotion. It's an exterior feeling. It's not an interior. I like solitude. I love solitude. I appreciate solitude. I also like the company of other people. When, when I'm triggered, when the PTSD goes deep, right? And, and I'm, and, and the, the, the brain starts to buzz and I start getting this weird feeling. It's almost like I've been drinking, right? It's like I'm, I'm drunk. It's like I'm, or I'm high or something. My, my head just buzzes and then I start to instinctively seek escape. But the first thing I get is this deep, deep feeling of loneliness. Now, when I'm alone and, and my brain is functioning properly, I don't feel that loneliness. In spurts. In spurts, I'll get it and I know that it's my subconscious. I know that it's an emotion playing tricks on me because I am connected. But I don't think that connection is happiness. You can be happy. But because for the most part, I, I would say that I'm I'm happy too. But But I don't like when my kids aren't with me. You know? And sometimes I don't like when they are with me. Sometimes they drive me nuts. And sometimes that'll make me unhappy. Right? But but I'm still I'm still content. I'm still very much content with who I am and my life. Do you and remember I, the days of not being content? Yes. Do you remember absolutely. the days of like waking up to a drink, doing a couple rails, not having a job, and being like, what the fuck am I going to do now? I remember lots of days like that. Yeah. Yeah. And your self-worth is like lower than anything else. Uh, I'm probably got a lot of borderline fucking insanity going on and um you've lost a lot of hope you're not even seeking any validation at this point because you know how fucked up you are like i remember those days and that was like an unhappy time and there there's something about life where you're gonna go through like periods of like you may not necessarily consciously say i'm happy but there's an overriding current or frequency or vibration of happiness but you might have like things going on you might be you know business might 
be requiring more from you. You'll have the kids at the same time. You know, the service work that you do might be calling now. There's a lot going on at that particular. Which can stress you out. Right. But the thing is. feel unhappy. But the thing is, you're still happy. I want to see that. That's that's where we're. I think we're, we're. I think we're saying the same things, but happiness is an emotion. Like love is an emotion. Unconditional love isn't an emotion. It's ever present. In the same way, the connection with my children is ever present. Although at times they'll make me unhappy with their behavior and my stress levels. Um, and and I'm still content, right? And as long as as long as I don't give in to this this feeling, this emotion, this fleeting emotion of unhappiness at the time, as long as I don't give in to that and let it carry me, then I can pull myself out of it as long as I'm content. If I'm if I'm comfortable in my skin, like you said. Now the same thing can be said is is if I'm happy, I can fall into the trap of always wanting to be happy. So when something throws me, like my kids throw me or somebody close to me dies or something, when my happiness gets challenged, now I can, now it can turn into suffering because I'm not, I'm relying on this emotion that's fleeting and happiness is fleeting. Unhappiness is fleeting. Love is fleeting. Those things come and they go. They're, they're not ever present in my, in my opinion, but contentment, connection, compassion, those things are ever present. You know, you might not exhibit compassion, but there's there's an innate – we talked about this in, you know, a couple episodes ago about this innate sense of, of uh, being compassionate. It's the driving force and what it is to be human. But don't you think that comes from like a love-centered spot? Unconditional love. Yeah, unconditional love. I don't think – because love is tricky too. Love is an emotion, you know, and that's why people get so batshit crazy. You, you said you weren't lonely not being in a relationship. Well, that's because – you didn't need the superficial feeling of love. Unconditional love is a different thing. I, I there's there's a handful of people in my life that I love unconditionally. In fact, I try to love most people unconditionally. I don't need them with me all the time to not to 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 uh, to feel fulfilled in that unconditional love. You know, if 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 I did, well, now I start to think that well, maybe it's not real. Because I'm relying on the endorphins that come from this instant, this this emotion of happiness, you know, and, and so it, and that's why we're talking about it in the way that we are. Because I think it can be misconstrued as something that's permanent if you think about happiness as anything other than an emotion that's fleeting, right? And, and I and I don't know if you agree with that, but that's in in I know that I can't constantly be happy. I can constantly be grounded. I can get thrown and I can come back to my center as long as I don't feed into the emotion. But the same thing can be said for happiness too. If I feed too much into the happiness, of course I'm always going to want it to be there. It just feels better. It just does. Like, you know, and, and you'll ask people a lot of times, what's your goal? What do you want to do? And I just want to be happy. Well, it's not possible all the time. In the way well, that. Well, because like you got life, life is going to be life, but. What if somebody – so in that time period, what if, you know, what if your father had passed? That's going to that, that's gonna do something to you. Yeah, but – Even if you are centered, you're going to feel that. True, but I know that that pain is temporary. Right. You know, and, and you uh, 
move on, you know, and and life goes on. And you can find contentment in that. Yeah. I can't find happiness in that. Maybe you can. And I, if you can, may, I want to know that secret because I can't find – I can find contentment. So I can alleviate suffering by knowing what you just said, by knowing that this is fleeting, this pain is fleeting, that – that life is impermanent, that everybody at some point is going to leave us or will leave them, um, whether permanently or otherwise, it's just going to happen. Now, does it make it, does it make the pain not happen knowing that? No, I'm still going to suffer. The pain. I, not suffer. I'm still going to hurt. Pain is inevitable. That's one, that, and that's the whole Suffering point. Suffering is optional. Right, and that's the whole point. Can you so, be happiness and in pain, happy and in pain at the same time? I don't believe you can, but I do think you can be content and and in, in well, pain. Well, let's just say, like you know, talk about someone who's dying of cancer, who's suffering a shit ton physically, and their daughter, you know, they pass away, and their daughter is going to feel happy because they're no longer suffering and pain for the void that they're gone. Right, right, right. You know. And that's normal, and that that can happen. And you got them both, and you have them both, right? And I, you I, know, and you accept it, and it, you do. If, yeah, if you your know, mind is there, I mean, I don't know. Death is always that's tricky. It it never it bothered me when I was young, and then you just know that, like, this is part of being in human form. Is that you know, the human flesh moves on and makes a transition. And and that's part of being here on the planet. Now, that doesn't make it any easier, but I found that once I could understand that, that was a little bit better. The thing that sucks, though, is like the unexpected deaths, like, you know, the ones that hit close to home, the ones that are tragic, and they all have a different level of pain and sadness that, yeah, you're not going to be happy when, you know, 13-year-old kid gets mm. hit by a car on a bike. No. You know, and, and it's tragic, you know. And if and, you and, are, there's something wrong. Right. You know, <laughs> you know? And, and, you know and, and especially if that kid was close to you, you're going to have a lot of deep-rooted, you know, probably some justifiable resentment and some pain and stuff, and and that might hurt. For a lifetime, when you think about it, and uh, yeah, you'll have to you 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 will have to consciously combat that, right? And and the thing is, you're much further along spiritually than most, so it's easier for us. It's just we understand things at a different level than I think a lot of people do, and we talk about impermanence, and that's that's what that is. You you realize life is fleeting. There's nothing permanent. We can we can go back to our spiritual principles, our grounding. And we can find contentment and we can alleviate the suffering. We can't – the pains happen just like happiness is going to happen. Right. Even if I don't want to be happy, there's times where the kids have you know, pissed me off. I'll use them as an example. I don't want to be happy when they say something that's cute in those moments. I want to remain the disciplinarian. But you know, I'll have to walk out of the room and, and do right. my little laugh right. and they come back in. I can't – That's it's an emotion though. It's right. coming. It's going. Yeah. How are we doing today? All right, sorry. That's all right. We've been doing this 7.30 thing so much that I thought it was 6.30 that we started. 
What's 7.30? Oh, the, the meetings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, so I thought it I was on time, but uh, apparently not. Hey. That's my fault. That's all right. But going to what you were what you were just talking about, there's – I was thinking about this on my drive over. There's two different types of happiness, right? There's there's the chemical happiness that your you know, brain puts out there. Your – what is it? Serotonin or mm-hmm. – Dopamine. Dopamine. Right. That's your happiness. I right? have the dope. But there's a few different ways to trigger it. Drugs are one of them. Right? Drugs are one of them, right? A lot of different things, you know, like sometimes a sparkling water in the middle of the summer will fucking trigger some goddamn dopamine. And you that's know? Like, and that's a positive way to yeah. get it, right? Mm-hmm. But know? but there's very negative ways. So and that goes back to the point to where it's so happiness take it, it comes and goes. It's fleeting, it takes many different forms. I don't believe that it's a healthy aspiration because it it is also impermanent and only an emotion. So, you know, the the only happiness I know is an emotion is chemical. Now, there's a deep seated joy that you have when you when you have your spiritual center on and you're content in your own skin, which is way different than happiness. Because I can I can have I can feel pain and get back to my center, and I cannot suffer. I can't under any circumstance, unless I'm in denial, offset pain, like the pain of somebody close dying or a 13-year-old kid that gets hit by a car. That's going to happen. Right. And so, you know, I'll... Also an emotion, though, chemical. I'll tell you, like... So I've gone all in on the belief that... We will all meet again. I don't think we ever leave each other, but it's the same. You know what I mean? Like when we when we leave the the human form and our soul makes its homecoming, I truly have gone all in. All my chips that I've Texas Hold'em, I'm all in on the idea that we all meet again. I would say that we're one, but yeah, I get, I get what you're saying. So we're, we're not separate anyway. So a lot of times I can find peace in that, knowing that. So when someone leaves me, you know, or someone passes, the pain will be there, but, you know, there's that piece of it that we'll meet again and it's all going to be fine and it's all going to work out. And in the pain, you have to find the peace. And that's like a time thing. You know, you have to work towards it. Yeah. You have, you know, grief and loss is like uh, that seven stages of, I I don't know about all that. I've seen it and I know some seven stages of grief. Yeah. It doesn't, it's not true. Yeah. So I I think like every human being has their own DNA code. And I think we all have a different code for the process of how we handle those things. And we all have to develop our own code. Well, definitely environmental. You know what I mean? Right. Which, which DNA is environmental. So how, we watch how our parents handle it. You know, is your parents some, as Steve was talking about, I, well, I want to get back to what your second form of happiness was, but, um, but everything's environmental, man. You know, and, and epigenetics <clears throat> proves that when you change your thinking, you can alter physically alter your DNA. It's not permanent. 
It's not permanent. It's not what they used to think it was. It, it's, it's proven now that you can't alter your DNA with change of environment, change of thinking. So, you know, if you grow up in an environment where the parents are fighting all the damn time, people that fight all the time are very much attached to their, to their emotions. They're reactive. They're not responsive, right? So if you see that consistently, you have no choice but to be coded that way. And, and most of us are. Because most of our parents didn't have the knowledge that we have access to when we were kids, right? And our kids now, I mean, they're, they're so much further evolved than we ever were. And as it pertains to access to new knowledge and new ways to think. So their coding isn't as strong. It's still strong, but they have more opportunities to alter that. So you're right. I mean, what, what you see is what you're going to do. And then you got to work. You got to suffer some kind of trauma typically. Um, that's going to make you do a, a self-evaluation. You have to suffer enough to where you say something I'm doing, it's not right. You know, something I'm doing is not right. I realized that I, I, I was one of those people. If you ask what I wanted, I just wanted to be happy all the damn time. And I don't think that's unreasonable. I, I know it's not reasonable, but I don't think it's before you know that, I don't think it's – No, it's a real default setting. Like I really like when I'm happy. I, I would love happy. to be happy all the time. Right. I, I wouldn't. You know what I mean? Like I don't want to be happy all the time because I understand, like you said, in these spiritual concepts that, well, if I don't know what pain is, there is no happiness. Just take me back to the oneness that you're talking about because that's all beautiful, right? There's no questions. You know, I talked about the DMT experiences and the the after the near death experiences that I've had, peak experience when my ch- when my children were born, meditation sometimes when I go transcendental. I don't have any questions. I don't I don't ponder the meaning of life. I just know. Like I I just know that's that oneness. So so you know it makes me it makes me appreciate the human condition a little bit more. Because I get to feel pain and I get to find ways to combat that. And I, and by doing that, I think that's the whole purpose. Like I think we evolve God, whatever God is, whatever the universe is. When we transcend the pain, that's where, that's where the money is for me. You know what I mean? That, like that's, that's the good shit. That's, that's where – and I get excited right now just thinking about it. My hair – knowing the things that I've – that I still need to transcend, but the things that I have and you have and you have, like that gets me excited. Like there's a deep-seated curiosity and joy. It's a real joy in that I get to experience these things. Now, when I'm stressed, like I've been this past week, I've been sick for over a month, moved out of my house under duress, love the house, can't seem to get happy in the space completely yet because I'm still very much rattled by the whole experience. But I, I have my center to, to fall back on, right? I could very easily this, – this could have – five years ago, this might have pushed me off the deep end. I might be in a pool of my own vomit right now. You know what I mean? Just, just poor me, poor me, poor me while people are looking at my life from, from an external standpoint wondering what the fuck I'm crying about. I, I very much – that's the feeling I was talking about. I very much am in tune with if I weren't where I was right now. I would probably be there. I'd be in the abyss and then I'd, I'd, then I'd be, you know, th- three weeks in the hole and, and then trying to figure my life out again, feeling that disconnection, that alienation, that loneliness, that, 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 uh, that, that, that deep sense of, of uh, hopelessness. That's where I'd be. So, I've, I've, you know, I've, I've felt pain this week. I felt pain with the sickness. I felt pain with the circumstances. 
Seattle. But I haven't I, had to suffer. I I love that. You know, like the adrenaline of not knowing what the fuck to do. Like I really thrive on that shit. Like uncertainty. Yeah. I like, like uncertainty. I like, like when I'm forced like, to do shit. So like, let's say I was in your situation. Like, like I just get like I would. I get ex- I get I get excited inside just thinking about like boxing everything up, getting the movers, and like you know by having choice to, <laughs> having to unload that shit and like you know and and then the having a new place to live always excited me. You know where am I gonna put? You know where am I gonna pray? Where's the altar? Where's the TV going? You know like how's the backyard look? You know all that stuff. Like there's a nothing more exciting to me than like moving into a new place and just, you know, like I know that the sleep kind of sucks for like about two or three days, but like, especially if you move in somewhere cool, which, which I did, but it was under duress. You know, I, I, if it would, I, I've wanted to move for a long time because I just knew we outgrew the space, but I didn't want to be forced out just before Christmas. You know what I mean? With all the, you know, it, now it's putting the lights up in the tree up has become a second priority to getting out of boxes. But I agree. I like excitement. And, and, but I moved under duress. And I just know that the duress, if, if I, if I wasn't where I am right now, it could have spun me, could have spun me in a different direction because I would have been attached to these temporary feelings of sadness, to stress. In the same way, I can get attached to the happiness and want that to stay forever. And that that's right what there, an addict does. Just hearing this story, because I know the things that you're going through right now, it, it sucks to move, especially when you're being forced to. But in the in the context of happiness, I think it kind of points out that there's happiness is a really hard thing to nail down. The more that you think about it, the more that it moves away. For example, like in your case, you were really happy where you were. Well, you were okay with where you were. You liked your house. It felt good to be there. You didn't feel like moving. I didn't feel like moving. That that was lazy yes. right away. That, that yeah. Was, yeah, that was <laughs> or, lazy. Or is it contentment? You were content no, I, being I did, where you were every, temporarily all the time. Yeah, because it wasn't bad. But for about two years, I've been saying I got I got to get out of here. And then I would think about the thought of moving. I'd be like, I don't have time. I'm not doing it. So it's it's good. Your it's God honestly, made you move. Your yeah, God made you move. And and it's honestly good. But the duress thing, the fact that the fact that well, we had to get really, really sick to actually do an air quality test, and you know, really you know, and, and it forced <clears throat> us out of there right before Christmas. But uh, but yeah, not to cut you off, but yeah, I, you know, I I could have stayed there another couple months and been okay with it, absolutely okay. I could have stayed through the holiday. You know, it sucked having to climb my tree and take the lights down because I left them up every year because I'm just lazy like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, I can just plug those fuckers in and put the blow-up things out in the front yeah. yard. I'm like, God damn it. Me and the kids are out there freezing, ripping the lights down. You know, stupid stuff. Yeah. But again, nothing to – but I know I, – I just know how that could have rattled me. Now, see all the smiling and the, the joking that you're doing right now? Yeah. Was that happiness? That's happiness. Yeah, because I – you can smile Seems like about you're pretty damn happy about having to be forced out of your house. But I'm not. But I was happy <laughs> talking about it right there because, you know, I was just thinking about that moment in the tree. I'm not, now I'm like, oh, that was that was actually kind of funny. Yeah. There's nothing really to stress about, that, you know what I mean? Because I think about it now, me and the kids will remember it, being mm-hmm. out there, moving, you know, the way that we did. And yeah. <clears throat> we'll come back to it. In the moment, shitty. You know what I mean? So, so I, 
I'm not going to get attached to the happiness that I feel right now. I like that feeling better than the alternative. But I, I do know that that's fleeting like everything else. Yeah, I think all of us know like that that laughing and everything, it's great while it lasts, but that cannot be permanent. It, it gives us something to aspire to, right? You know, it, it not whether that's incorrect or not, because you might aspire to that. But like we were saying when we were younger, we thought, yeah, I want to be like that all the time. All but the time. you can't be. Right. It's physically impossible. And that's, that leads to You addiction. run out of dopamine. Right. And that that's one of the big problems <clears throat> that addicts have is their inability to delay gratification. Right. And, and, you know, gratification is happiness. When you're gratified, you're happy. But you can't be gratified all the time. Real, There's real life that you need to navigate through. And the addict brain will think, well, fuck, why can't I feel it? And, and it's because you're disconnected, really. That's all addiction is, is you're disconnected. You feel disconnected and you're trying to alleviate that feeling of disconnection by whatever means necessary. So you get that first drink. You get that first drug. You 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 have sex with that first woman or whoever and, and – or you get that pet. You know what I mean? There's so many yeah. different things that, that, that can pull you in that direction of I want to feel this all the time. And then it can become a compulsion if you get caught in the trap of believing that that happiness is it, – it, 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 you know, it's – what's your second form of happiness? Because I'm curious to know what that is. Because all I know it as in my understanding is that dopamine fix. It, it is this instant thing. I love my kids unconditionally. That that'll never change. They piss me off sometimes, right? You know, and, and they and it's okay to be pissed off. They're not going to make me happy all the time. I'm not going to make them happy all the time. <clears throat> Equally, and I I can I can get caught in the trap of thinking I need to make everybody happy all the time. You fucking can't. You can't do that. But you can get caught in the trap of believing that's your responsibility. Why? Because you told you're not good when you're a kid. Because your parents make you think that if you don't perform in this way, you're going to make me unhappy. And so we get caught in the trap of trying to make our parents happy all the time. And it starts there. Mm -hmm. And then we assume these roles. And it's a dangerous, dangerous trap. And I think it's one that everybody is accustomed to. Unless you grow up in India and or Tibet in a monastery and, and you're just taught the, the higher the, – the, the middle way. What is what the Buddhists would say, the middle way. Or I don't know, the some I think parents are good at teaching kids that the kids can't be responsible for how others feel. It's important to do that. You know? No, they it's, don't. It's like a big it's big now. You know, I think a lot of one thing that a lot of that's changed, you know, from when we was growing up. Like I think a lot of parents have a little bit more better angle on that codependent stuff and owning your feelings and being able to recognize that you're not responsible for someone else's happiness and things of that nature. It's better. Yeah, I think social media helps out with that. You know, the little memes that go back and forth with the like the, you know, little spiritual yeah. nuggets or little life lessons or, you know, get on Imager or something like that and you see one of those pictures and you read the comments and you run into some like pretty deep people that are able to get a really complex idea across in 80 characters, 90 characters, like, wow. And I think a lot of parents are on social media these days and they see like, they start asking the questions like, am I doing everything that's right? Right. Or am I stuck in a trap? Like you were saying, they make you think, well, that's why I like to post something. You know, I try to do it daily. If I see something that makes me think, 
why would I not want to share that? Because it, you know, it might make somebody else think. It might make somebody else think. Get off your high horse. Quit being sanctimonious. You know, it could make. I don't care. But I think it's important for us to share those things. You know, because the thoughts are like emotions too. They're fleeting. But but if we're not thinking, if we're not in contemplation, we're really, you know, we're really mechanical. That, and, and that goes on to my second type of happiness because I think the first is the chemical, right? You get your dopamine fix. That makes you feel happiness and that can be given from a chocolate bar. That can be given from a, getting a present or doing something right, doing a good job. We all know the things, right? Yeah. The second one is what you were getting to is like there's this – there's this sort of X factor and I think it's the the spiritual side of us where we can feel good from something like meditation or feel good from sitting down and, and thinking about a question and getting an answer or figuring out a new answer or a new way. And I don't think that's a dopamine hit. I think that feels a lot different. That's more of the content that that's <clears> – <throat> Transcendence when you find a new answer, or to like a, a, a tickle of transcendence, even. Or, peak, what a psychologist, what Maslow would say, peak experience, right? You get these, these in, in life is strewn together by these peak experiences. And the, the trap of the peak experience, especially for the addictive mind, is that you believe you can have that all the time. So, in, in the Buddhist tradition, alleviating suffering doesn't mean you don't feel pain. You know, like we were talking about earlier, pain's inevitable, man. It just means you don't have to suffer yeah, through you the can pain. Roll with the punches. You can be Victor Frankel in a concentration. I'll always go back to that Victor Frankel in a concentration camp, and in that somehow you can find you can find meaning. You can find meaning. Now it doesn't mean that you don't wake up scared for your life, or maybe you're not scared for your life. Maybe he wasn't scared. Maybe he accepted the fact that today well, could after be my a while, last. You just get used to it. Today could be my last, yeah. right? It, it, it is what it is. Every day could be my last day. Right, right. And that's, you know, for, from where we sit, that's scary as shit to, to think that. But it's the same for us. It's just that we don't think about it like that. We're not in that situation. True. But, you know, it, I think a lot of people believe that life is guaranteed. Right. You know? You're like, not supposed to have cancer. Well, you take it for granted, right? Because you made it to here. Right. So why wouldn't the rest of it be exactly like, you know, the first 40 years or the first 10 years I don't want or whatever? That. Do you want that? I don't want it to be like my first 40. Oh, I if certainly I, if don't like want that. like my first that. 40, kill me now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just get that shit over with because I – and not saying it was all bad, but there was some extreme suffering that, that got me to a place to where I don't have to suffer anymore. And it, it's not to say that I don't sometimes still, but I have to – Well, know, it got I, you I thinking about it. It made me. Think yeah. about it because the suffering got to be so great that there had to be another way. And I think that's Suffer what you're so about. long. You're like, man, I just want something else. Something. Give me yeah. something. Give me something. And uh, the, the drugs and alcohol don't work. The sex don't work. The the, I, the gym, <clears throat> that don't work anymore. You know, the, the, when I first got out to Hollywood and I started booking roles and shit and I thought this was it. And I, <clears throat> I can't even explain to you how empty I felt. And, and I, re I remember – I remember the premiere for Life Goes On and uh, th that whole process of making – producing my first film and having to carry it as the, the lead and, and uh, writing it and it, just all these different hats that I wore. It's an extremely stressful process but there were – there was very peak moments throughout that 
And so we get to the end game, and and I remember standing on the stage, and I'm given, you know, you go up after the film, or maybe it was before, I can't remember. I remember uh, Rude Jude was emceeing it, and uh, it, it, so it, it was it was a great night. Eleven hundred people there, the whole the red carpet, all that shit, and you know it was my first starring role, and it, it, we're premiering it in my hometown, and it, it had already become a little bit of a cult classic in Detroit, and. I'm, you know, to to for what I had aspired to, when I moved out to Hollywood and all that, I thought, well, this is it. This is this, this is it. You know, I remember sitting on the in the body shop. I'm not going to say his name. He's an A-lister, and I'm not like he's listening to the podcast right now. But I remember sitting there doing uh, cocaine off strippers' asses at the body shop, <laughs> and I'm thinking, this this is it. This is like this is what I've always aspired to. And uh, and I'll tell you guys who it was. I've arrived. You know what I mean? Like this is it. This is you know. And I'm a young guy. I'm in my twenties, and and uh, you know, this guy had just done the biggest movie in the world, and and not a care in the world. But I remember looking into his eyes. I, 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 I and this is all hindsight, but I remember looking into his eyes, and I they were empty. You know what I mean? They were, and, and he had just become probably the biggest a lister of all time at that time. And that's what I wanted. And I'm sitting here with them. And, you know, we have access to the women and more than me. But, you know, they're there and they're surrounding. And this is it. And for me coming from this poor environment, and, and that's all I wanted. And I remember that moment, too. It was the same looking looking into his eyes before I left. And they shut the door behind me and left him in there with after closing time with all the strippers, him and his four boys. And, uh, and I was with my girlfriend at the time, actually. And we we left. I mean, I remember that in hindsight, but I remember getting that same feeling, this emptiness when I'm standing on stage and I'm talking about going full circle and I'm just saying the right at the right time, right? Because it felt like that's what I was supposed to say, but I really felt in this room full of people that were there to see me and what what I'd accomplished and, and celebrate, I felt empty. I felt empty and I remembered I didn't want it anymore. And I remembered at that point trying to sabotage. I still was driven because I didn't know any other. I I thought I have to achieve this or I'm no good. I have to continue to try to. But I remember sabotaging opportunities because I really didn't want it. That that night sitting with dude at, at that strip bar, I didn't want it anymore. I only know that now. I kept pushing for it. But it, it, that night at Life Goes On, it, it was it was uh, it was really eye opening. And again, I was still blinded in denial, and and I found ways to seek instant gratification, so I didn't have to feel what I felt on that stage. But that should have been happiness, right? Did, have you ever read the book Stumbling on Happiness? I haven't. Uh, what you're describing, he he goes into great detail about this. And tell me if I'm wrong, but before you got to that point. Uh, you're working towards being a famous actor, you know, doing your movie and everything. And in your head, you have this picture and feeling of what it's going to be like when you hit that point. That's going to make me happy. That's when I'm going to reach happiness. When I get to this finish line that I got in my head and all these things, A, B, and C, are correct and done, I'm going to feel happiness and I'm going to be happy forever. And that's Is that how you the line moves. And then, yeah. and then that's it. The line moves. You get there, and yeah. you're like, okay, this didn't line give moves. it to me. So then, so then you get your Seek next another. picture, and it's like, and well, another. I'm here, and now I have the money. I, all the other other guys are doing drugs and banging hookers and stuff. I'm gonna do that too, because that's the new line. That's what's gonna. That's kind of like uh, Tony Montana, you know, like 
when he starts out, you know, he's all gung ho and he's doing all this yes. stuff. And then you're like, he's sitting there like, and then is he, this it? Yeah, at the bar. He's is, like, this is this what this it's it? about? Sucking, fucking, drinking, this and that. And like he had made it. I mean, he yeah. really made it. Made serious. it. For, for an immigrant, right? Right. Yeah. That, that, that he got to the it. point. He was the godfather. He had That's all the it. money, all the cocaine, yeah. all the girls. He got everything that he wanted. And he's sitting there and he was just miserable. sitting there miserable. Miserable. And that's what we all do. I think every – most humans, most of the people that I know anyway, get a picture in their head of their goal. And they say, when I do all these things, when then. all the boxes are checked, I will be happy then. Yeah. Not now, not during the journey, to achieve this but first. when I get there. And that is a huge problem there's for us. There's only so many steak Because you're you forgetting to be happy now. You're forgetting to be happy about when there's a nice dinner yeah. or when you have, get a nice card from somebody or talk to somebody over the phone or meet one of your friends. You forget to be happy because you got to do these things. Well, if you base it on money, to the goal. if you base it on money, it's going to be rough. It can be anything, right? You know, yeah. I mean, one of my boys, <clears> you know, uh, you know, he had relapsed and, and he's a self-made millionaire and he had relapsed and he, you know, I was helping him out and stuff. And it was funny, like he had a problem with money, spending money and, and buying cars for whatever. And he told me one time as we was going to the gym, we were talking about business and stuff. And he's like, Sean, there's, there's only so many steak dinners you can have. You know, there's only so many times you can go to Cameron's and have the best steak. What do you do once you have the best steak and you have it seven days in a row and you have the ability to have it anytime you want to? Yeah, yeah, it's you know, true. like like that will fade. Then what? And then it's usually like it's a car or then it's the girls, you know, then it's this, you know. I mean And it's never you. It's never it's never it's, it's never, never what's inside. It's, it's never just being content with the power that I was talking about earlier. Like being cool with myself, knowing that, you know, that my God is with me, that everything's cool. We're just chilling and I don't need any sort of external anything to complete me. Nothing external will ever complete me. I have to always remember that. Yeah, I got into a little debate with somebody who she's pretty active on our on our page. And uh, it wasn't a long debate, but, you know, she said uh, – and it was something about happiness. It was a post about happiness, that it can't be found outside of yourself. It was something like that. I can't remember. But um, but it's about what we're talking about. And uh, she said, well, I, I disagree. I I, uh, I found my husband and, and, uh, and I've been happy ever since. And I, I'm not going to rain on that parade, but I had to say, look um, – you know those things are, and I didn't say your husband's fleeting. Maybe you do stay together forever, but you know if you're not prepared for the what he could die right till death do us part. Then what? You're devastated. He's taking lines off strippers' asses, <laughs> which could happen. You know, but the thing, the thing, man, um, it's not permanent. It's not permanent, and if you. It's also not fair to do to another human being. Well, put your happiness on them. That's codependence. It's complete yeah, codependence. Yeah. You, you, well, depending. I mean, I don't know her situation oh, no, it or anything. It, it, codependence. That is codependence. When your head now, I've put my happiness on you, and in a in a codependent relationship, this this nasty cycle of this back and forth, this victim this victim abuser type scenario to where. If you don't perform this way, 
I feel this way, that's your fault. And if you're codependent as well, well, you believe that. So you work to try to fix that all the time. Meanwhile, you 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 have you just don't realize that you can't make this person happy. You can only give them fleeting moments of happiness. You can give them a rose. Remember the anniversary. You can you know you can. Freak. Or you might be happy when you're together and things like that. You know, but not always. Not always. Not I mean, always. You're gonna have your bad moments. Right. I mean, it's a relationship. Right, and in that relationship, if you think you're supposed to be happy all the time, those those bad moments happen. They get blown way out of proportion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you suffer. When I was younger, they used to fuck me up all the time. You know, when <clears> I was younger because like I would watch my parents and they weren't happy a lot. So then I thought, like, when I got older and I started getting in relationships, I'm like, it's not wasn't like I, it's, I didn't take it on as my job to make the girl happy, but I thought that we should be happy all the time, all the time, and like. I didn't really like conflict. Always like made me like fucked up. What am I know? doing wrong? <clears throat> What's wrong like, with me? I remember. I don't like, feel happy right now. I must have done something wrong. Or, or she not, did something wrong. Or, or yeah, they're not happy. Or just like yeah. And then like uh, like it was just weird. It was weird in my mind. It's like ooh, like like you work so hard at being happy, and now you have a conflict and it, like like a fight or something. And then like I didn't understand like. Those things were okay, you know. I thought well, and normal. Like, Very I, normal. dude, I remember. Well, I was like, I guess I'll have to pack my stuff and go now. Girl was like, what? I was like, well, I guess that's the the, the end of it, you know. And we, she started we, laughing. <laughs> she started laughing her ass off. She's like, no, 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 no. Like, we just had a disagreement. Like, this is like this is couples do this and stuff because like. I just was like, oh, well, you know, better grab all my stuff and go all. All like, or nothing. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm out the door and she's laughing about it because, like, my skill set wasn't, like, you know. You didn't have the experience. I didn't yet. have the experience <clears throat> of that stuff. Like, you know, it was like first AA relationship, you know, like hang out for five days and then why don't you move on in? And, yeah, yeah. you know, this was like three weeks later and I'm like, oh, I'm going to get my stuff. You know, <laughs> starts laughing and shit. But I got something to read when you're ready. Sure. So what brought this subject up to me was the subject of happiness and what it is and how often we have it. But it was also tied into love because love is a huge happiness. Like if you do it right, you're you're in a relationship, you love one another, it creates happiness. Anyway, I read this comment on Reddit and it says, I'm in a relationship for the last 14 years and what I have to say is love is amorphous. It changes what it is and it's hard to pinpoint sometimes. The emotion. Sometimes you'll be mad at each other. Sometimes you'll share laughter and smiles and hugs and kisses. Sometimes you'll be underwhelmed. Sometimes you'll be bored. Sometimes you'll be full of pride and appreciation. Other times you'll be take them for granted. Sometimes the sex will be great, other times samey, but life goes on. Can anyone truly say they are in love constantly and without interruption always? Or is it something that ebbs and flows? We talked about that before you got here. So there's <clears throat> love is an emotion. Unconditional love is not an emotion. That's a different thing. Mm -hmm. Love ebbs and flows. Like happiness ebbs and flows, like right. sadness ebbs and flows, like anger ebbs and flows. Yeah, I thought you could like take the word love out of that and just put happiness in. It's the same thing. An emotion. Yeah, it's it really is. amorphous. It changes as you grow. It's it's happiness is a different thing when you're a kid. Right. Happiness when you're a kid is getting a candy bar or doing good on a test or something. When you get older, happiness is. A little bit bills. different, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, you can be content. I got money in my pocket. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. I find that happiness for myself is being content with a situation a lot. I like that. Well, I like being content with something. Content, and we were having this debate. Content, <clears throat> content. That's not fleeting. You can find contentment in in your grounding, mm-hmm. and that's permanent. You're not going to feel that all the time, but you'll have a center to go back to. Where happiness is purely an emotion. It's purely an emotion. It's it's nothing more than that. And we confuse contentment with happiness. Contentment is real. Compassion is real. Those things are very real. And when you go transcendental and meditation or you have, you have your kids or, or you fall in love, you, you know, that real unconditional love the first time, when those things happen, that's different than the feeling of love. It's completely different. Now, I, there's so many different things that I say I, I love now. I don't love them unconditionally. Conditions change in my life. I grow. You know, I, I, my thoughts change. The things I appreciate change. And I don't love that so much anymore. I don't <clears throat> love I – st- I think I still love acting, but I don't need to do it. You know, I was very much attached to that. And I, I do love – I still love creating, you know, creating uh, art through um, human behavior. That, that I, I love that. I don't love it unconditionally. You know what I mean? Because what that took away from me to do that grind with how that stole from my soul and I didn't know that when it was happening. I just kept pushing because I thought I was supposed to and I didn't want to be a failure. But what that actually took away from me and I remember the first PTSD bender was in 2004 and it was after the first shoot of Life Goes On. It's the first time I ever experienced that thing where I was just gone for like 13, 14 days just and I didn't know what that was and that deep feeling of – of of discontent, loneliness, um, you know, it changed for me. Uh, it, it, it changed for me because it, it it brought something different to me. And what I thought I loved, I, I, I didn't love anymore. You know, not and if it's conditional, it's not love. It's not true love. Anything that is conditional can't be true love. It's not true compassion. If it's conditional. So I think I think that's a good way to decipher whether it's happiness or contentment because content contentment's the only condition on contentment is how you feel about you how deeply you've gone into yourself and your ability to navigate through what life throws at you which you have zero control over I feel like the the word uncondi- well love unconditional is something that the poets came up with and it doesn't actually exist Oh it does and I know that with your kids, right? I know for there's a fact. there's a lot of people that are the mothers and fathers of multiple serial rapists and killers, and they can tell you that they do not love their children anymore because they're horrible. But that's not unconditional love. That well, they would have said that they had unconditional love for their child until they found out that he was a serial rapist then and murderer. They don't love unconditionally because true <clears throat> unconditional love is taking a serial killer who behead somebody. And trying to find – rather than judging because that's the gut reaction, that's a despicable act. But true unconditional love, the stuff that Christ talked about, the stuff that Martin Luther King talked about, the, the, the great thinkers, the great speakers, the great, the great movers, the people that have stood the test of time. The unconditional love they talked about was that you love those people. You find a way to say you know, somewhere in that beheading of this human being, this disgusting, repulsive act, it's a cry for love. Like we were talking about Marianne Williamson, Return to Love, is that you're crying out for love at a deep visceral level. Your method of going about it is twisted. That's, 
I'd say that's her take on that. In A Course in Miracles, they would call that that particular person's in separation. Right. They're separate from God. They're separate from their power. They believe they're separate. Yeah. Because you're not really. Or even let's say they thought they were connected. In that way. It, it, in, in like, well, right. you know, so, but. Through acts of violence and hate. Right. So like either way, like, you know, in the course of miracles, they look at that as like they're in separation. And, you know, once you are like one with God, one with the kingdom, love is the ultimate, you know, and that I'm coming with everything of love and compassion and service and I'm removing my ego by removing judgment, removing conflict, and I'm doing all these things and I'm, you know, I'm moving through this particular life, you know, they just see that those people who are, you know, maybe doing those acts or the rapist or whatever as that they're in separate. They're they're, se- they're in separation. That's why Steve's they, point is valid, you know. right? Because it seems like I have to work to love unconditionally. I, I don't naturally feel any love towards somebody who does that, towards somebody who does that to a child, does whatever to a child. Like there's no love. There's no love the emotion there. But if I really want to walk that spiritual path, if I want to embody Christ consciousness or what Martin Luther King had before I leave this earth plane, I've got to find a way to say, look, they, they did the best they could with what they had. That's hard. That takes work because we're not programmed that way, to your point. But if you listen to any of the great, the, the great thinkers, the great speakers, the people that have stood the test of time, it's the only way to, to navigate the, the earth plane without suffering. You know, because if you're constantly, if your existence is based on external conditions, how can you ever be content? Truly. I mean, I, I guess that's that's good to ponder, right? Or why would you want to base all that on, like, this reality? Well, you'd be codependent with your reality, Because right? you don't yeah. control it. Right. You don't but, control but it. But you can change your reality through manifesting and you can't manifest if you're if you're reactionary, right? You know? I can't manifest if I'm separate. Right. And, and, you know? and you're separate if you're reactionary. Right. You're, you're controlled. You, these things pull you rather than you being able to pull yourself out. I, I agree 100%. But I, we're getting the uh, the one-minute mark. Anybody? In, I think I said what I need to say in closing. Anybody else? No, that was pretty good. Uh, amen. Rock it out, man. Yeah, that was real good. Yeah, so have a good I'm, day, I'm gonna everybody. go try to be happy. There you go. <laughs> Happy with that move. Yeah, home. yeah, yeah. But, uh, okay, that's the human condition. Keep your comments coming. We forgot to give you the address, but those of you continue to watch, you know it. Um, ideas for shows, we love them. We'll be having a website soon. Yeah, that'll be up. Um, a lot of changes coming. Thank you.